0: On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I usher in Adam Chernoff, who helps us talk through a lot of the Week 18 betting angles. We have a pick at the end that we agree on, so it's a mutually agreed-upon pick, which I don't think has ever happened in the history of Bet the Process. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, bet,
1: bet, bet, bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process welcome to the podcast bet the process it's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense if you came just for pics, you're in the wrong place Find a town with the narrative to make a strong case instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking we're looking for the edge of massy Peabody rankings crunching all the numbers in a simulated system to break down the data analytically driven media coverage is sports gambling is pathetic welcome
0: to another episode of the bet the process podcast where rufus Peabody is sitting in his lonely office in his lonely apartment in the dungeon new york in his dungeon where he's like been coached up to have the background look normal but it doesn't look it normal. doesn't look normal sitting it looks sad of and depressing i'm jeff maw sitting in front of a closet rufus how's how's the week been what was the what was the reaction to last week's episode where i was nice to you and not nice to you which which i'm not sure
2: I don't know. I want to say I had literally like last week was probably the best week of, of my year. It was with my entire family, my brother and sister and my brother-in-law and my parents in this little far old farmhouse in Maine and just playing games. And it was just, it was really, really nice. Um, it was nice to spend like, you know, a full week with the, with my whole family. So that was great. Um, the reaction of the, to the podcast, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I think people, people said i came off well and i thought i i thought i explained myself pretty well and so i was i was I don't true care to myself about what they thought about you what did they think about me i mean what do they always think about you jeff i don't know, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean um we no you're we did have yeah. a we did have a little bit of a
0: conversation around this idea of like why do we need to have these conversations or like why do we even need to care about what people say on twitter or why do we care about what Seville says? And like, you know, some of our listeners don't even know who Seville is from, from my perspective, the reason I've always found Seville and their point of view interesting is because, you know, they thought of themselves or there's some of them and and they're, they're, they're an interesting subset of people, because I think whenever we've met one of them in real life or we've had one of them on their persona in real life is very, very different than their persona on Twitter. Right. That, that's one thing that's pretty clear. And like, you, you hear a lot of stories about Seville where um, there are members like Groovin and whatnot who've helped tons of people out, and you wouldn't have thought that about them from their Twitter persona, you know, like that they're just they're, they're these sort of wonderful humans helping each other out or something. But regardless of, irregardless, sorry, of all of that, from my perspective, what I what I think has always been an important part of this podcast is the idea that we are are willing to look critically at um, you know the 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 sports betting media businesses and and be um, you know very true to those ideas of being critical of them, right? And so we started that with the whole idea of like tout or sharp, right? And oh, I'm supposed to ask you whether you think you're a tout or sharp because uh, there was a guy that there was a guy yeah, that on think Twitter I'm a sharp. that was asking me to tell. We should go through that. We should go through the whole thing. Cause he really wanted me to ask you these questions and and uh um maybe I will ask you them just because they're kind of funny. Uh, but anyways, so so you know, we did have Touter Sharp, and, and when we did Touter Sharp, it started off kind of like, Oh, this is a good shtick, but then everyone was just like, it's not a great shtick, and so we're like, Okay, fine. Um, but I do think like Seville to some extent is the roots of what's important to the podcast at some level, which is being able to continue to look critically. At things that are happening in the sports media business now, the 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 unfortunate slash fortunate thing is that your position in sports media has changed, where you are now part of a business, and that's caused us to look critically at what you do. And I think that that's been an important thing to do. Otherwise, we're just a bunch of bsers. and And today we have on, you know, Adam Chernoff, who's from you know, now has a job with right angle sports. We don't, we don't have him on because he's with right angle. We have him on because we wanted to talk, have someone who could talk intelligently about uh week 18 and NFL football. And we thought he'd be a good person to do it. Um We may get blowback for having him on because he works for a, 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 a business that sells picks. Right. But um we do want to create, like, again, like we have this juxtaposition or this conflict where we're trying to create as good conflict good content for you as possible while also being true to this sort of uh of idea of of looking critically or being able to look critically at others in the industry as we go ourselves into the industry as that makes sense so yeah that that, that's kind of like my stick on this
2: no i i agree with that and i do think i i think looking critically at my business ventures is, is completely fair game. Cool. Uh,
0: anything else? Cause you said you didn't want me to interrupt you and you want me to let you talk. Is there anything else you want to talk about there?
2: Oh, I, I just didn't know what you were going to say. So I just wanted to an opportunity to rebut, but I don't think I need that. I think I explained my viewpoint pretty well last week in terms of being part of a betters process. You want to talk about your tilted moment?
0: Because I have a very good tilted moment. So you it sounds like you didn't even have a tilted moment because you were like with your family singing.
2: Kumbaya. I mean, I, think, I think the biggest the, the 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 maybe the tiltiest moment was just the fact that I let myself. Um, it, well, no, this wasn't last week. This is the week before, I guess. But on I guess it was Christmas night, but it was Christmas Eve night for my family because due to travel delays, people we didn't arrive till December twenty fifth, so we kind of pushed Christmas back a day. But that night, like I I just got into a Twitter debate and and basically was and it just uh, like there was no reason to even respond and engage and i did and it just took a lot of my time and disturbed my peace a little bit And so that was that was probably the the tiltiest and but we've we had a good like it's been it was it was a good week though overall with the family and we had a we had a very good week we bounced back with college on college basketball so that was that was nice all
0: right. Let me tell you about my tilty day. And I, I kind of put this out on Twitter, you know, it's January 2nd, last day of bowl games. I'm kind of excited to maybe, you know, bet some bowl games for fun, figure out, like, look for what I think to be value is. I re-listened to the Bud uh, episode that we do, um, <clears throat> I go and decide like, okay, I'll, I'm going to take this Illinois team, you know, like Mississippi state, like all that turmoil, new play call, not turmoil, but all that sort of remorse and new play caller and all this kind of stuff. The line went up to three and a half. I'm going to take something on Illinois, like kind of bet against the steam, three and a half. Illinois is basically the, you know, that that's covering the entire game until the last play of the game, which was a lateral ruski that w- made it go from three to 10. So lose that in tough fashion. And then I have um, Tulane, USC. I I take some USC at two and a half because I feel very confident that Caleb Williams is playing. I do do all this research, whatnot. You know, obviously it was weird that the line hadn't gone up. The line actually even went down, I think, right before kickoff. So kind of knew, like, this might not be the right side. Um, But Tulane, USC never punted, had, like, I don't know, ridiculous amount of yards on offense, is, are up by 15 with four minutes left to go and um, managed to, as we know, not cover that game. And then it all culminates with Penn State-Utah. Like, I take Penn State in that game as sort of Bud kind of alludes to. I get two and a half. The line goes to eventually to, to sort of uh, Utah minus one. Um, so I think, oh, I'm definitely on the right side here. I in-game some under 49 and a half. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to likely get, you know, and, and, and the 49 half looks super dicey, but then, um, Kim rising goes out and, you know, even, at that point, it still looks a little bit dicey because Penn state's popping all these explosive plays that they hadn't done all season. Um, but yet I get to a point where I'm kind of sweating that last touchdown it's at 49 And, you know, Penn State gets the ball, essentially doesn't kick a field goal, doesn't really try to score a touchdown. They let the backup throw like one, you know, kind of like almost like Hail Mary thing, turn it over to Utah, which almost in any situation, Utah just runs the ball out there. But instead, they like go to hurry up, come down, and they score with like, I don't know, under 10, 15 seconds left. So I lose that under. So that was my day on January 2nd, just like wanted to have a little degen action going and ending up like having these ridiculous, like three, what I would consider to be pretty, pretty tough beats all on January 2nd, knowing what the world was going to look like. So that was my tiltiest moment, but that's just, that just tells you if you're a real better, that you shouldn't actually have degen moments. It just leads you into bad situations. Just, just bet the Uh, stuff with positive EV instead of, instead
2: of doing what you're doing, instead of playing craps. No, just kidding.
0: I love craps. I'll probably play some craps tomorrow night when I get to Vegas if this weather lets me do it. Um, Okay, let's welcome in Adam and then we'll talk to you guys again uh, on the other side. We now welcome in Adam Chernoff to the Bet the Process podcast um, where we will actually like have a conversation, civil conversation about paying or selling picks. Let's see if we can do that. But let's first start, Adam, why don't you give us a quick introduction to yourself and how you got into the sports betting world.
1: Well, I guess I didn't know I thought we were doing NFL. So we're doing pick selling. I love it. I'm happy to go any direction. Um I, I started We, were doing NFL we, too, we will get we
0: will get to NFL and we're not <laughs> i'm we're joking. not don't worry we're I'm not i know, you. But okay
1: good. No, right, we're getting awesome. into it. I'm kidding around. Cool. Um no I started honestly when I was 14, way back uh early 2000s when the forums were hot and just got involved in every single dark, shady area of touting and handicapping at an absurdly early age and gotten to spots where I was way over my head, made a bunch of dumb decisions, made a bunch of mistakes and errors and have kind of lucked my way through it. Um, when I graduated high school, I uh, moved straight to the Dominican Republic and decided to try and make a way through sports betting see what I could do there. Um, And honestly, it was just a lot of right places at the right time. Um, Ended up with bookmaking places down in the Bahamas, ended up with um, working there for about five years, came back to Canada, um, have been involved in the betting space ever since, and then really got into sports betting content early 2017. And have been pretty steady in that is there's always been a passion between radio, video, presentation, and then obviously sports and betting as well. So it's a long convoluted story with twists and turns in between, but that's kind of the long and short of it. Do you have a
0: sort of a general approach to handicapping? Like how do you how do you look for edges? Are you are you over time a winning sports better?
1: Um over time slightly ahead, I think is a good characterization of it. Um getting a lot better. I joined The guys at Right Angle Sports earlier in 2022, uh, I guess we're into 2023 now, just acknowledging that as good as I may have become as a handicapper, which is maybe a stretch to say, but there's obviously the one sort of knock I've always had on myself and I think other people has had too, is I've never been betting at the highest levels. And so I know that that was a spot where they could help me learn a ton. And already in a couple of months, I've learned a ton from them as well. Um, so always looking to improve there, but that's certainly a side of the industry where I have a ton of room to improve.
0: So you're, you consider yourself more of like the content guy and, you know, with right angle who, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about them. There's been, you know, they, they've been one of the people that's, I think been the most annoyed with our, um, kind of like no tout attitude, which, um, may or may not be changing i'm not sure what's what's going on with that but um, it's in the air essentially
1: (laughs) what's that i said it seems like the opinion from you guys is in the air
0: it's yeah it's uh you know depending on what we consider rufus to be or sorry the co-host of this this show to be um just kidding rufus we can we can we can we can have a little levity with the situation right uh no i mean i think i think um you know, I think they are. Uh, to, uh, right angle is certainly respected, right? By by oh, um, yeah. most betters, by most professional betters, they certainly move the market. I think that the question always been has been with Right Angle is, can you provide value to your subscribers long term? And this is like the same conversation that we got into with Unabated. It's like, if you you know, once you start becoming successful, how how does that? happen? Then, you know, we go back to the Sprager chart. For touts and whatnot, that's the thing that, you know, everyone kind of goes back to in terms of providing value. You guys have gone to great lengths to try to figure out ways to try to give your subscribers value, right? With the different releases and timing and that kind of thing. How, how has that worked out? And, and do you, do you, you know, how do you guys think about that long-term in terms of the ability to continue to drive value via, you know, selling picks essentially? Uh-
1: I think it's hard to argue that it hasn't worked out and been successful, not only with the results they've had, but whether it's been through the paid releases or the free shows where there's been a couple thousand people at a time trying to bet on the releases, we've seen the success rate of getting the release odds at a very high rate, 80% plus for the most part. And so the influence is still there. It's obviously there for a reason. And I think just through the The tweaks and some of the ideas that Ed has had and the team has had, there's been a lot of success with doing it in a way that provides value to people uh, in many different ways. And so I think that that's always been there and there's always going to be an effort to make sure it is going forward. And just to, to clarify this, right? I
2: mean, the touting part is a small part of the operation of what right angle sports is doing.
1: I'm right. yeah, I mean, yeah, they, I mean I'm blown away by the effort of the betting in and, private that goes on. I had I had an idea of what I was getting into, but I didn't realize, first of all, how many people are actually working there. And then second, how much effort and work they're putting into the private side of betting as well. And so that's something that I think gets maybe neglected in some conversations where it's only looked at one sided, but they're certainly having success on both sides. And I would guess the
2: the selling the picks is kind of and sort of being public has helped, you know, get people like yourself to work there. Right. I mean, it's, it's helped them recruit talented people.
1: I, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's guys that have been recruited by the team before I've got there. I've just been there a couple of months, but that were found through doing more things out in the open and being more public with what they're doing and, and the results in going out and finding those people that have led to huge returns for the company overall from the value that they provide internally. So there's there's obviously a huge upside, especially now into 2023, into having a public-facing brand and a face to continue to grow the operation. I think that's true for everybody, no matter what you're doing.
0: All right. Well, let's let's not... Talk too much more about that because obviously, if we wanted to really dive into right angle, we probably need to have Ed on um and to do that to give it sort of justice in terms of asking the questions we want to ask. Um, from a broader perspective, you know, I I did want to have a conversation because I know Rufus, you were for the first time sort of like handicapping college basketball. And and Adam, I think that's something that you guys spend a fair amount of time on. Um, you know, the from what you've learned about right angle, and then Rufus, you know, what what are some general approaches? If, you know, like we are bet the process, meaning like we want to be get people um, a process or help their process in terms of betting, um, what are some ways that people could think about betting on college basketball and think about creating a model or, or looking for edges in college basketball?
2: I mean, I, I guess I'll start. Um, sure. So, so I am lucky enough to be uh, working with uh, Telemachus from Twitter or Telemachus. I never know how it's pronounced. Um, either and, or works <laughs> right and and so back you know when when this fall when or actually it was summer when i when i went down to the city he lives in and, and met with him and spent time with him um this is the time we were talking about doing he was going to help with building my golf infrastructure build some more golf infrastructure for me that kind of thing and and he um you know, he went into detail in his, his golf or his, uh, college basketball simulation model. And I was just blown away at the nuance of it and the intricacies. And, and so I am, I am not like, I'm not the college basketball guy. I'm like, a have helped, I've helped with some of the statistical projections, the inputs for the, for the simulation, but it's, it's all him. Like he's, he's done a fantastic job designing it and it is very nuanced and complex and he spent a lot of time on it. And I don't think there's any shortcuts in that regard. And I think it's able to capture a lot of these things that, you know, um, I mean, if you model, if you simulate, if if you create a simulation engine that models reality well, and, and is, and you're able to sort of precisely figure out, you know, how is this team going to perform? Like how is their pace going to slow down when they're up 12 with five minutes to go versus this other team and, you know, things like that, that are just, I mean, that, you know, you can't do that without a simulation. So I think that's, um, th- that's, that's, that's our approach, his approach. Like, and I think it's, if you can do it right, it's definitely the hard, the most difficult approach, but it's the one that can be the best, I think also. So the the key insight
0: you would give is, is like having a way to predict pace at different games,
2: states or situations. that. Oh, no, people. I mean, <laughs> so, that's just an example, but sure. I I feel like any time you mention the word
1: nuanced, it just makes people immediately perk up. That word has maybe caused you a little bit of trouble in the last few years. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. Adam, are there any sort of like tidbits or things that you've noticed, edges that you feel like um, you'd be comfortable like talking a little bit about that right angle does in terms of looking at college basketball? Because obviously like I feel like college basketball is is the sport, right? That that you guys have done
1: the most in. Well, I'd say it's a little bit nuanced, Jeff. No, I'm I'm joking. But um look, I've been with them for a couple of months. The season started in early November. Anything college basketball related is completely new to me. Like it was not a sport that I watched or I followed. And so for me, the last 60-some days here with the Christmas break included have been just trying to understand the most basics of how basketball works. And so that's not a way to sidestep the question, but it's just me saying that like, I'm in no place to say that I really know anything about college basketball yet because there's so much more I have to learn. I've been a football guy for 15 years now. Getting into the basketball side of things is something that I thought could help learning from how they approach things. But I mean, it's it's been something I've had a lot of difficulty with because it's so new to me. Can I? So can can we
2: go to football for a second, just uh, on the subject of you joining Ras? And and first off, I think it's amazing to to be able to learn from uh, you know, not many people get the chance to sort of step into something and and sort of learn after having been doing this for a long time already. And so I think that's that's got to be that's got to be really interesting and educational. But I'm curious what, if anything, you have learned um, on the football side. If there are things that you that that maybe you hadn't thought of in a certain way that, that working with those guys has sort of made you um, think about differently.
1: Sure. I like on the learning side, so like you can I've been doing it a long time, but I kind of realized that where I was at a couple of months ago was kind of the ceiling. And part of the reason I was excited to join was because like, I just wasn't getting better doing what I was doing. And so the chance to, to get better was exciting. The biggest insight to me from football I did a bowl podcast with Eddie Walls and then Michael Craig. I think you guys know as well. Um, I know Mike. Well, the way that the way that they were speaking about values to players and incorporating them in with some of the, the, the pace or the expectations on a a per play basis, it, it was a really good insight because Mike was super math driven and looking at all the season-long numbers. And then Eddie was sort of providing for the bowl games, all the subjective stuff on who's going to play, who's not going to play their values. And I've always very much been more so towards the Eddie side of things, where it's watching games, it's having opinions. And everything that Mike was saying in real time as I was doing the show with them was, was really new to me in terms of how he was expressing it. And so the mix of not only having like that base projection from different sources and aggregating those together to have those numbers, but then combining it with the subjective side, I thought was really interesting to watch in real time. And I just speaking for myself, trying to find those base numbers and the idea of aggregation was pretty valuable to me just from that pod. It's a little bit late to sort of utilize any of that. in the NFL season, obviously college is over, but going into next year, I'm thinking about things a lot differently in terms of what I thought was valuable, um just from a couple months working with these guys. So so give, uh, give us an there.
0: example of what you mean by that. Can you give us an example of what you mean by that?
1: Um I'm trying to think of a specific game. so the u s c Uh, game against Tulane. So Mike was really high on the total. It was a similar situation with um, Alabama as well. He made the spread way higher. I think it closed seven and a half, whatever it was. Uh, But in that total, Mike was like high into the sixties. The total was at the time we were doing it low sixties and he was using um, season long numbers, pace, as well as yardage expectation. And the big question mark was around Uh, the QB situation for USC, which Eddie had some good insight on. And so there was a pretty significant edge that they had there, not only from the season long numbers, but then also um, what Eddie was pulling from what he was expecting from like news and watching and things like that. And so the way that, the way that that conversation came together, I thought was, was really interesting and that game ended up flying over. Um, But, but honestly at, at, at the time that I was recording, I would have never necessarily gone the extra distance to sort of combine both of them, I would have been very stuck on the one side, which probably would have been hung up in the status of Williams. And at the time that everything was confirmed, it would have been probably too late post-move. So the idea of having that other number is, is pretty valuable.
2: I think it can be really, I mean, for me, it's been, it's a, it can be a huge challenge to quantify qualitative information. And I think that's, I mean, from what I've heard, and, and maybe you can shine some light on this, that's what RAS is very good at doing
1: sure yeah absolutely
2: how are they
0: have you do you guys have a bunch of research in terms of looking at some of the impact of these things or like what is the secret sauce in terms of that qualitative incorporating the qualitative piece
1: well i mean there's at any time up to 16 guys working full time so i mean it's it's a huge operation where i mean they ha- they're looking at info that i never even you you could potentially pull in and they're doing it that for college basketball, there's 365 plus teams are doing it every day. It's, it's really impressive to see the work that they're putting in.
2: But how do you, I mean, how do you quantify some of it? Like the fact that this team, I mean, I remember there was a free pick they posted on, on, I think it was Longwood and they had had somebody there who'd been at or high point. It was high point Longwood. I forget which side, but, but basically that had been at, I think the high, at high points last few games and said that they were more athletic than, a typical Big South team, things like that. It's like, how do you integrate that with sort of what the the maths, as the British
1: would say, uh, say? I think a lot of it comes down to experience. I mean, Ed's been doing it for 20 plus years. You have Jeff and Mike who have been doing it for almost as long. And then there's a number of other guys who have been originating or compiling numbers and putting all this info together. The team dynamic that they have is really impressive in terms of how they work together. But when you're doing it that long, I mean, it, they're just thinking and speaking in ways that I ha- haven't been accustomed to in, in terms of how they're on the fly, putting that information together quickly, and just like feeling out what is good and what isn't. I think that experience makes them as successful as what they are, because when when you have that access to info and you're able to to siphon through it and make the best decisions, it's very valuable.
0: Got yeah. Well, you guys want to move on to the NFL? It'd be fun to take a little trip around the NFL this week.
1: We didn't Um, even get into the tout and the pick selling side of things, Jeff.
0: Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, right? We talked about the whole aspect of whether you can provide value over time, right? I think RAS is a a nuanced one because I think that most people generally believe that the value that they provide – is valuable, right? Like, so you, you if you start with the, the tout argument, right, you get to this idea, like, if, again, if you go to the Sprager chart of whether you can beat, win long-term. So we can get pretty far on that chart with RAS where the real question is, can you provide long-term value to your subscribers or not? And it, it does seem something like you guys go to great lengths to try to do. Um, again, like, I, I would probably still wonder whether that's the case over the long-term, but I don't, if we really want to have that conversation, it's probably better to have with, with Ed rather than you. That, that was kind of the
2: the thinking, right?
1: I, I think that's fair for sure. Rufus to jumping in.
2: I was also going to say, I think part of the value is, it, it, uh, of something like Raspix is, and I'm, I'm not personally a subscriber, but uh, it's part of people's process to understand why the market is going where it is. And I would think, you know, if, if the market moves five points off of a release, I think Adam, you you'd probably be the first to say that five points is probably too far.
1: I, I think the case can be made that at times it
2: is, yeah. And so if you can get that, get one side and then be able to come back on the other side, I mean, I'm sure Spanky's a subscriber for that reason, so he can know where the market's going. And so I think anybody that, yeah, I think that. I mean, Spanky's so
0: made it clear that he is a subscriber over and over again. So I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're, well, there's I know clearly that, like market prediction value and whatnot. So, Again, like I don't, you know, we'll, we'll probably have Rufus and I will have like a little bit of conversation before this on air about this, the, the, the concept of, you know, how, you know, the, the episode that we had last week, I don't know. Did you have thoughts on the episode that we had last week? It'd be interesting to get, I don't know if you listened to it, but it'd be interesting to get your perspective on that conversation from a standpoint of, of someone that's in the content business that now works for RAS.
1: Well, there's so much going on in the content space that I think is only getting worse. I think in this specific situation of Rufus and Jack and Unabated, I think the reason that there's so much, I would call it distaste for what they're doing among the Sharp community is not because the product that they're providing is a bad product or misleading betters in any way. I think it's, first of all, the stance. That both of them have taken in the past which has led people to viewing them in a certain way and now doing what they're doing i think it's it's getting people the wrong way just because whether it's semi-hypocritical or however you want to look at it it's it's a strong pivot in a stance but at the end of the day as uh, i and i've as much negativity as there has been spawned up in the sharp community i don't think i've ever seen somebody criticizing what the product is they've obviously been upset about it because of the impact it's had on them but at the end of the day it's it's a product that's providing value to a lot of users and and i think that it's just it it's getting people the wrong way because of stances that may have been taken in the past and I
2: mean, I still think the ethos of unabated is helping betters with their process. It's rather than giving them the answer. And I think you could, and I think the teaser tool kind of pushes that a little bit. And the idea for it was a process-based tool. And to be honest, I didn't realize how many edges it would actually uncover. So so that was that was kind of surprising and
1: unexpected to me, but um. There's just I mean, there's no more middle with any of these arguments that happen online. Like I remember back, even if you go like oh six, oh seven, oh eight to like the Rx, Major Wager, Capra's mall, all like the big forums. There was there always seemed to be like some sort of understanding in the middle. And I feel like now it's got to the point where everything's just really toxic around anybody trying to do anything. And it's it's no longer this. Stance of like trying to stop people from misleading betters, it's just like this full-on attempt to try discredit and tear anything down because it's now fringing on the markets that everybody is competing in. And so, like, I could understand if somebody is a teaser better and they're getting down on mm-hmm. a lot of books. Like, obviously, they're going to be annoyed with the teaser tool that was published because that's going to be taking away from them. And it so, makes like, it I easier can for other people to find those edges. Right, of course, and I don't. I I could absolutely understand their side of it, um, but on the I. other hand, sure, I, I and I don't think anyone, I completely get that. I don't think anybody debates that, but it's it's now turned into this spot within the betting space where there's absolutely no incentive to give credit to any one or any sharp product or anything that has influence because it's it's so much easier to try discredit and tear it down to not have an impact on yourself than anything else And I, I think that's putting everything in a weird spot where it's it's just causing everyone to just into this kind of like tribalism where you're either on one side or the other and there's no in between whatsoever and you just go with it to the death And by the way, that's that that that's
2: an issue with I mean I, I, I would guess it is for right angle sports as well. Uh, selling a product where the more people have it or people kind of don't want other people to know about it because, you know, it does, I guess, if everybody had it, it would have less value. Of course. So, And so, I mean, I've, I met up with the guy in New York who is a subscriber and was telling me, I mean, he's made high six figures this year off of it. Like he never bet, he wasn't betting sports before. And I was like, man, if you could give
1: that testimonial, he's like, I can't do that though. <laughs> sure, it, so it makes yeah. sense. I think that's been an issue that the guys have had for years and years because the truth is if you think something is providing you value, the last thing you want to do especially in betting is go out and publicize it. And so it's it's leading to these weird arguments that go back and forth, but there's just such a lack of trying to see both sides, I think in a lot of these online arguments that it's kind of it's just it's getting to a really weird spot overall.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we should move on. I mean, I think I think Adam, you said it really well when you talked about the. And I was waiting for you to use the word hypocritical because that's ultimately the 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 challenge here is I think that there's a perception. It's it's not necessarily that the tool or whatnot. There's just a a, a challenging perception change and positioning change. Um, and again, this goes back to this idea that like once Rufus, once you started unabated, you. Literally put yourself into a different category of how you make money or how you interact with
2: this market, and I think I mean to be, to be that, clear, I haven't made any money off of unabated, but
0: but but it's a for-profit company, right? And like, like I'm hoping at some point I'll make money off company.
2: of it, right? Exactly. So far, I've sunk so money into. All right, let's move on. Uh-huh. Let's move on. Yes. To NFL. We'd,
0: like everyone's probably tired of this whole conversation. Yeah. Um, what I think is interesting about Week 18. Right. And it's a, it's, it's something that like, I don't like, I have a we have a model that bets on NFL. We don't bet in week 18. And the reason is because we just don't think our model really captures a lot of these edges or a lot of the sort of stuff that's in the market or stuff that's not known in the market. And so, but what, what I have found or what we have found as Rufus and I've talked about these are, there are certain categories of games going to week 18 where I think there is an opportunity if you have sort of a season long model to understand where there might be value. Right. And so as I think about that, there's, there's a few categories of games, right? There's games where the, that sort of like teams have no incentive to win or lose. There's teams where um, teams have clearly an incentive to both lose and or rest people. And then there's categories of games where people have a over incentive to win. And I think if we think about those categories, it'd be interesting to talk about these because some of those, I think we, we all would probably believe that the market overvalues, like the idea that a team has more incentive to win, right. Is one where really the market probably gets a little bit out of whack and there is probably opportunity to bet against those teams games where teams have sort of zero incentive to win or lose are ones where people assume that they won't try. And I think history has shown us that in these games in week 18, they do try, they do want to play it out. um, Whether it's, you know, the, the, and and then there's these clear ones where teams have incentive to either. And and maybe we bucket these into two things, right? One is they're just definitely going to rest people and you kind of know it. And they might rest people in the second half because they need to. Um, And ones where, where teams like maybe the, the bears are, maybe Justin Fields would be playing this week if it wasn't for the fact that they they you know really want a better draft pick right so um let's let's talk a little bit about those and let's go through quickly um the different games that we have so we'll start and see if we can categorize any of these i mean do you guys have anything macro on that on that on that sort of framework of looking at this these games
1: with the um with the must win versus the already eliminated I'm curious to see how this goes going forward. The last 15 years, those spots, the 38% against the spread on those must-win teams. And so it's, I mean, trends are what they are, but I think that one just reflects how the market overreacts to that situation specifically. I, I feel like in the last couple of years, it's been quieter than it is this year. And we're seeing these games React a little bit differently, like Jets, Dolphins, albeit had some QB news. Um, but when you look at Rams, Seahawks, and Brown Steelers, I think those are two interesting games price wise. But that's the one I think that stands out the most well, let's, in terms let's, of what's let's being jump, talked let's about. Let's jump into Wait, this. And, and okay, and hold let's, on. When you let's say let's the trends,
2: start. the trends on that, it makes sense because like the numbers are so far can be moved so far off of what the fundamentals, right? Like, what your team ratings would suggest they are, and so yep. And and, and the other thing uh, I, it, from a macro perspective. Uh, how is it going to change in terms of teams not trying, um, like the Doug Peterson a few years ago with the Eagles, where they basically intentionally lost by putting in, um, was it Nate Sudfeld? I guess Nate. Yep, yeah, Sudfeld. Uh, right in the second half, uh, but to get a better draft pick. Like, is that as teams embrace analytics more, is that going to happen more often? You would, that might you would think that? it
1: trends yeah. that way for sure. Yeah. I think it has to. Yep. Yeah
2: but not all teams necessarily. Like I would expect if a team like the Ravens was eliminated, maybe they, they're they more likely to do that, to rest. And, and it's not like trying to lose, but it's like, oh, let's just play our backups.
1: So then how do you, like a team like the Texans, for instance, with Lovey, who's as outdated and expired as a head coach could be, like where does he fall within that spectrum? Because if there's a case for that, it certainly has to be the Texans this week, doesn't it? I would assume he try. he's old school. He's
2: going to try to win, right? I mean, he's also... Trying to save they, his job, have, probably. Do they have
0: the first pick locked up?
1: No, I don't believe they do. Is that they they have to lose for it? Um, the Bears now in this situation that they're in, change it. They end. Up, I honestly, I I don't know how the tiebreakers at the bottom shake down with so many cases, but they'll finish um, equal with a loss here. So, so there's, bears, there's yeah. been incentive well, I mean, for what, the Texans Rufus, to drop. What do your the season long season?
0: numbers say? What do your season long numbers say Indy versus Houston?
2: Indy um, versus Houston. I say, well, I'm low on, on Ellinger. And so I actually, I make Houston a half a point favorite. So if we believe right, that lovey
0: is old school and you know, like there's some value on Houston there, right? Yeah. What, what do you have Adam? What would your Pick season em. long numbers say? Okay. Pick so them with Ellinger, say, Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Houston seems like a reasonable bet. I mean, um, but if you think, but let's think about this probabilistically too. It's not like, I mean, yes, it's probably like they try full try or no try, but if it's 90% chance they're full try, then there probably isn't value
1: because not 10% mean,
2: it isn't then.
1: Yeah. If you pull away the aspect of the tanking gear for the final or the first round pick in the final game, tough to get to this price considering the spot the Colts are in with Ellinger with the coaching staff, knowing they're on yeah. the way out with everything else going on. It's tough to get to that. And you, the justification against it the last few weeks has been either Foles or Ryan. And like, it's an upgrade over Ellinger. Ellinger's horrible at this yeah. point. And now he's being put into a bad spot. It's one of the few times you can look at a Texans team with the Mills Driscoll combination and say, they might have the better QB on the field, which is tough. I mean, who would have thought the Texans, well,
2: actually they're not, they're, they're an underdog, but could be a road favorite potentially.
1: Sure. This, this would be probably the only spot. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's, let's jump over to the dolphins game that you mentioned. So you mentioned three games, right? So the dolphins jets, um, situation where dolphins really
1: need the game. Right. I mean, is that what you were, you were, you were, you were talking about? Yeah, because they were they opened four point favorites, which I mean by I don't care what semi respectable rating system you look at like that was high. So you get that inflation. But then we're now Jets minus one because Bridgewater's pinky is dislocated on his throwing hand. And so that's going to make it, I think, a reach for him to have any chance of playing which means you have probably Skylar Thompson, the third string starting for the Dolphins. And it might not even be that this morning, they signed Mike Glennon. And so like how much trust, I think the signing kind of rules out Bridgewater. You're not going to be bringing in another QB if there's not doubt on your number two guy. And so whether it's Thompson or Glennon, like how much of an impact does that have on the spread? But I also think interesting too, on the Jets, it was a spot where Mike White on Sunday night was in line to start. And then yesterday, Robert Salah said should in his press conference. And so there was a change in sort of wording on what he was implying on the status of Mike White. And there's also a question here to has the market just really overadjusted to Mike White overall? Because I think the last couple of games, you can point to a big lack of success. There was a big bump initially when it went from Wilson to White. But like Rufus, where are you on that now with Wilson down to White with this Jets team? I think I have White as a point better than Wilson. Not not a super
2: not, not as large amount as you'd expect.
1: And it was bigger when it initially happened. Overall, was it not? Like yeah, that was the impression wh- I got. So yeah, now it's and, well, like, the what do you do between these more. two QBs? Yeah, well, what do you do between these two QBs? Has it gone too far?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting because so I, I make the spread for if Bridgewater's healthy against Mike White. So that's been, which is where. It, as you said, like where it opened, and I'm probably a little bit high in Bridgewater, to be honest, um, just given his experience old. and all that. Because he's old, yeah. I love the old guys.
0: Rufus likes old quarterbacks.
2: The
1: longer I mean, you've been around the league,
0: the older. The that's better. as
1: high. That's high, I. I think that's that's as high as I've heard. So that's interesting for sure.
2: But um, so what's yeah, the drop? So I, haven't, I haven't run it with Thompson actually, but I would assume it would be something like Dolphins minus one, maybe. It would be. I mean, I would expect it's probably about three points.
0: I think the narrative though that we were talking about right was whether th- this is a case where the Jets um have nothing to play for right? They're nothing out, to play out of for, it, but
2: they're out. Yeah, yeah
0: but but I think also the like no it... no reason to no reason to rest players, like meaning like there's there's no, there's no real incentive to lose. Maybe like a few draft picks, like nothing, like. You'd assume this is a situation, again, where we think like people would assume the Jets are going to lie down, but they're probably not. They're going probably going to play pretty hard in this game, especially with solo wanting to like win this last game and, and ride off into the sunset.
1: And, and why I receipts. thought it was interesting was, is this the first time, whether in a long time, that the team that must win might actually be a little bit short where the current number is? Like, I don't remember a time really not trying to make the case for the other side in a game like this.
2: I agree. And I think it largely is because of the quarterback stuff.
1: I think right. that's the complicating yep. factor here. Yep, for sure.
2: Okay.
0: That's interesting. Um, you mentioned Seattle. Um, Seattle Rams, Seattle's six and a half over the Rams right now. Uh, Rams out of it. Seattle got stuff to pay for play for. Is this an inflated line?
1: Well, we have more QB stuff here. So these two teams played a couple of weeks ago in L.A., and Seattle closed seven. And that was a game that got bet up about three and a half points during the week because the Rams went from Stafford to Wolford. And so the Rams were competitive within that game, stayed within the number. It was the biggest that Seattle laid the entire season, which was shocking considering how bad their defense was. They lost Jordan Brooks two weeks ago, who's their top interior defender in the linebacker, spot, who's just massive to that defense overall. They get the win last week, and now it's a spot where it's the rematch here, but the difference being uh, you're getting Baker Mayfield instead of Wolford. So my initial thought when I looked at this was at six and a half relative to where we were a couple of weeks ago, you're kind of maybe having to overvalue that result to get to a shorter price in Seattle with a slightly inflated home field advantage for the last game here. But then I I sort of start thinking about it, and I mean, Rufus, I'll be curious. The upgrade from Wolford to Mayfield, I think, is something. I don't think it's significant, but it's something. And you have a spot where the Rams have played pretty brutal defenses the last couple of weeks. They now get a pretty easy one, and Akers has come on running the football, which has always been kind of that inefficient play-calling situation for McVay. And like you can certainly run on Seattle, especially without Brooks. And so, my initial thought when I saw this at open was that it was maybe a tick hot, maybe a tick short. But I get the feeling now that just sort of looking at everything and matching this up, better number might be closer to four and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm in the five and a half to six range here, and I think that's um, the Mayfield situation is interesting in in the fact that it's hard to quantify how switching mid-season you don't have quarterbacks that switch teams mid-season and immediately start playing very often um and and have to pick up an offense and i think that's you know we would have been we were high on mayfield initially just because uh because we didn't have that essentially factored in um you know his first week and and turns out um it turns out wasn't really a problem for mayfield but uh i am i'm a little so i'm i'm I don't, I don't know if I'm high or low on Mayfield now, actually, but I think, yeah, like minus 5.7 is, is basically where I have it. Uh, I'm probably a little high on Seattle, though.
1: So, and I'm, just and I'm an-
2: not accounting. And, and I, and this is, it's a team based rating. So I'm not, this is not going to account for Jordan Brooks injury.
1: Sure. So, I, but again, it's a spot where this, that must win teams, a, a, maybe a tick high overall. Yeah. I agree, especially given that I've been higher on Seattle. What
0: was, what was the third game you were mentioning, Adam?
1: Uh the Brown Steelers was that other one that fit right. within this bucket. Yeah, that's one
2: where I think the I think it's the, the must wins definitely priced in. Is it, doesn't it feel awfully high for Pittsburgh? Oh, it totally does. I think the Browns aren't a bad team. Um I think actually the Browns are a slightly above average team, and maybe that's because mm-hmm. I expect Deshaun Watson to actually, you know, not pull a full Russell Wilson um and and sort of return to at least has
0: his performance level. statistically been getting any better, game by game? Or he's found about he's found
1: success with Cooper the last two games, and it started to look a lot better. That first game against Houston was ugly, and then he had the weather game against Baltimore, which was a tough spot for any QB to be in when you're trying to push the ball downfield in 35 mile an hour wins in a game that closed mid 30s for the total. Um, I, I think this is probably as good as we will have seen Watson against any team. This season uh, in week 18 against the Steelers. Well, and they
2: scored against Washington, who has a, a decent defense.
1: Good defense, too. Yeah.
2: And I was, a, well, I guess I, I don't know if I still am a Washington fan anymore after the. I can't root for a team called the Commanders, but, but I, I didn't even watch the game, actually. So I can't speak to how well Deshaun looked.
1: Yeah, it was definitely better with Cooper.
2: We got any other games? Wait, so that we Adam, Adam what do you make that number?
1: The Cleveland Pittsburgh number without
2: motivational aspects.
1: Yeah. Browns minus a half.
2: Yeah. I make it. So I make it Browns, like just on the power ratings Browns minus one and a half. And then I actually do have an adjustment that's essentially based on record that in motivational stuff, that stuff that's like, um, which makes it about a, which makes it a a half, which is exactly where you are. So. So if you can grab a
0: full three on the Browns, that seems good value, right? I I think so.
1: It, it, I I think so too. Teasers look nice too. Yeah. Only there was a tool for you that. Know any to verify tool that, that it is, it I I, crack, don't, I don't
0: you know. know. <laughs> um. All right. Bad joke. Okay. Uh. Any other interesting games we want to talk about this week? From uh. I mean, the Bills Patriots is interesting, right? Because, I mean, like some of these games where there's some indecision about whether these guys are going to play next week. Um. There. There's no. There's no history, right? Of of I mean there is history, right? But like do we do we assume that all these teams that are gonna play next week that are kind of locked in? Um because if if Sam if Kansas City wins
2: we don't know, but if Kansas City wins Saturday, right? We don't know because can Buffalo if, if Buffalo finishes their if they're able to um finish their season, if they make up the game against Cincinnati and they win out, they get the number one seed in the bye. And no matter what Kansas city does,
0: but how are they so, going to make up the game with Cincinnati?
2: I don't know, but how do you penalize it's, it? It's I mean, it's a no win situation for the NFL right now. And I have absolutely no idea what the, what the decision is going to be. Cause you also have the division that's up. That's still at stake with Cincinnati and Baltimore. Cause I believe yep. if Baltimore beats Cincinnati, then if Cincinnati loses to Buffalo, Baltimore wins that division.
1: Is and right? and yeah. seeding in the AFC is extremely important this year He's with massive. how top heavy it is. And so uh, that Saturday game with the Chiefs is interesting for reasons beyond just the postponement. But I don't know what you do as the league here, and like I don't even know how you bet on Pats, Bills, or Ravens, Bengals at this point till you know what the league is going to do. It's, well, that's
0: yeah. I guess what I'm at, what I'm wondering is like, is there some value in grabbing seven and a half with the Pats in the hope and, and that you know, or and six and a half with the Ravens in the hopes that there is something that drives like less motivation from these teams.
2: Like there, is that a free option for you um, to get involved? I would say take the money line. If, if you underdog money line, if, if you're, if there's more uncertainty, that's going to have even more value, just because you're, you're essentially more, you know, if, if the line moves
1: against you, it's going to not hurt you as much as if it moves towards you. What do you even like, if it comes down, so say that game gets written off as no contest or goes down as a tie and then you have a spot where it's basically playing for the two three spot, which is much less of a battle. But even though you still have this Bills team that like this is as disruptive of a practice in prep week, arguably, maybe ever. Like, I don't even know if all the guys are even back in Buffalo at this point and they're supposed to be practicing because guys stayed back. The flight didn't get back till Tuesday at five in the morning, whatever. Like, this is just a mess all around for Buffalo from a prep perspective, too.
0: I mean, you add in the fact that the Patriots are terrible, though. That's do we factor that Patriots in? Patriots aren't terrible. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan. It's it's I know. been tough. It's been a tough season to watch. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, anything else on these games? I mean, I I, I agree with you on the on the Buffalo thing. Like, there's so much uncertainty in their prep, and and how they mentally are going to go into this. I mean, you couldn't you see a world where where Doug McDermott just says like, "Hey guys, we're gonna." This is going to be Doug McDermott. Did almost,
2: he change his name? Yeah, you had Doug coach? Doug Marone used to be the coach there. So, yeah. What's Sean his first McDermott. name? Sean, Sean McDermott.
0: Sean. Whatever. Anyways, Irish. Yeah, sure. Okay.
2: But I mean, Wait, don't what, you guys what,
0: agree? Like, isn't there a world where, to your point, Adam, that he just says, like, this is a let's take this is like an exhibition game. Let's let's really get ourselves back in the world and focus on on the playoffs, which is, again, like at the at the core, right? you can fixate on this idea that, oh, seating matters so much and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is you got to win the playoff games period, right? You got to win, unless you're going to get that by, you got to win three games anyways to get to the Super Bowl. So it's like, there's, there's, there's a real, this is a, this is a real, as much as we'd like to complain about the seating, like the playoffs are the playoffs. And that's sort of all that matters, right?
1: If I could make a case for seating mattering, um, on either I think the one seed matters each side, which wasn't the point of that. I but the one spot where I think seeding genuinely matters this week in terms of motivation, and Staley's come out and hinted at it, is with the Chargers, because a win gets them into the five, which means a playoff opening matchup against Titans, Jags instead yeah. of Bills, Bengals, or it's, so I mean he's come he hasn't said huge. it directly. Yeah, he hasn't said it directly, but he's come out and been like uh, we think, we think seating matters in this one. And he's, I don't think he's ever going to admit why publicly, but the last two days his press conferences have been kind of funny in that regard. So I think there's, in, if you're going to say like seating motivation matters for someone in week 18 beyond the one seed, it's absolutely the chargers. Well, so what, let's look at that
0: game. What do you guys make that line uh, chargers right now, or what three point favorites at, on the road against the Broncos?
2: Well, I'm, I've, I've been comically low on the chargers. Like, this year and last year. And I'm just, I'm, i I know Herbert is great and all that, but I, I don't, know, it's never shown up in the numbers for me. So, um, I, I'm when adding in the sort of record effect and all that, um, it's charters minus 1.4, but before that it's pick just on pure power rankings pick.
1: I'm definitely I'm higher at four because I think the defensive returnees for the chargers are going to be big. I also think they're trending. Well, the one, the one spot, I have some hesitation within this. um, The Broncos last week, like came out oddly full support of Russell Wilson on the offense and the offense looked really good against the chiefs. And then it's a spot where it's that new head coach with all of what I think has downgraded the Broncos or most of it for the, majority of the season with Hackett you now remove that and I don't know it's it's tough to get to a right adjustment off of a coach being removed like that this late in the season where you just don't they're already out as is but you don't have a lot to go off of what that full impact might be and so that worries me a little bit because I think this is a different Broncos team going into week 18 than is is rated for the season as a whole
2: and I kind of, I mean, you have to expect a little bit of regression, like in you know, a positive regression from Russell Wilson at some point. I know that, you know, last year was his worst year before this year, but at some point, I mean,
1: we're seeing it the age, last couple of weeks for sure. This is
2: not Peyton Manning at age 42 or however old he was, where, sure. you know, yep. this is I maybe, mean, yeah, there's a slower decline physically and his ability, his escape ability has certainly been hurt, but, you know, I, I think the truth with Russell Wilson is some, somewhere between what he was and so, and where
1: he's been this year. At, at one point, it was either week 11 or 12, the Broncos had the most players in the last 10 years cap-wise allocation on the injury report, missing games. Like he's, not only has the coaching been a disaster, but he's had to go through a season with a, a system that was really difficult that gave Aaron Rodgers a lot of trouble Um, In his first year with hack. And so he had to go through that and the changes along with the injuries. I I think I I agree with you. It's somewhere in the middle. By the way, has any team over the last
2: like decade had worse injury luck than the chargers though? Every
1: single year, every year. Yeah. Every year it's there's, I don't know what it is, but Niners are probably up there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Niners and chargers are both just brutal every year.
2: All right. Wait, any, we, other, go... any other games we want to talk well, about? So we... I think we have the one category game we haven't talked about, which is the team that really doesn't have anything to play for. The, and that's sort of, that's Tampa Bay on the road against Atlanta. That is, um, I guess, the Giants against Philadelphia. And is there one more? We have to get the
1: Chiefs Raiders too. I think that's an interesting game as well. Yeah, that, that, I think that number is a little low, actually. We've surprisingly. got... surprisingly. It, it's an incredibly interesting political game internally for the Raiders there.
2: Okay. Let, let's, let's, let's talk about that one first.
1: I want, we got to get all three. Cause there's good stuff on all three. Um, so from the Raiders side, McDaniels kind of, kind of put it like he went all in last week with the decision to send Derek Carr home. It just and Derek Carr admitted, he's like, I'm going home. I don't want to be a distraction. She so had this QB you're paying all this money to after a season where it was like every other week McDaniels was in a closed door meeting with ownership after blowing all of these leads, everyone's waiting for him to get fired. He has this guy in Stidham who knows him from new England and all season was allegedly, he knew the offense better than any QB in the room. Two games to go in in the season. He's been in the system for like four years, right? Exactly. So So it's McDaniels guy, two weeks to go in the season. McDaniels goes, we're going to get rid of Carr and go to Stidham. And so last week, he hit sort of game one of his two-game parlay to save his job, where it was, we just need a good performance out of Stidham. But what was interesting was the Monday after, just a couple days ago, like Devontae Adams came out and was like incredibly high praise for Stidham. And Derek Carr was like his guy from college and this friendship that was budding. And now you have a spot where this game gets put onto Saturday in a standalone spot. And it's essentially McDaniels with this crazy QB switch to save his job going up against the chiefs in this must win spot to get the one seed. There's a lot going on here that is more so than just a team that needs the one versus a team that has nothing to play for. I think it's a very interesting game. Yeah. I mean, what do you make the number? So before all of that, I was higher on KC. I was at 10 and a half, but with, this upgrade i don't i don't know how like how how far is this drop to stidham because last week it was five points i i i get the impression that that's too far and so i i think i'm just i think i'm too high on kc because the drop is is less because of all of these circumstances with stidham fitting into this offense
2: yeah i mean i i have the drop off being pretty large i mean let me see what where i mean i had the I had the Raiders as a negative five power rating last week um, and they were negative 0.14 the week before. So you can say that it was a drop off of about five points. Now they're this week they're negative four. So I've I've given them, they've got like a point back basically. So four points worse than what they were two weeks ago.
1: So you're around 11 and a half
2: with home field. Um, yeah. 11, 11.
1: Cause I and have chiefs as a 8.1. So it's, it really comes down to, was that drop from Carr to Stidham further than it needed to be given the situation going on with this team that is going to sway the handicap? Yeah,
2: exactly. And clearly the market, I mean, and I think this happens a lot where if a quarterback plays well in their first game at a quarterback, you don't have data on the market does, does seem to, I think, buy into it more than, than my ratings do. And you could say that about Mike White, you could, I'm trying to think of another good example.
1: Um, You could say that about Brock Purdy. Sure. Yep. It's, it's that week two, week three adjustment. That's awfully more telling than that first one. I think the first adjustment tends to be a bit of an overreaction. And I think that, you know, I,
2: I've Jeff, this is why I Jeff always says I like the old quarterbacks because the prior for a guy making their second start, even if they played well in their first start um, they're, they're still making their second start. And in general, those guys don't fare that well, even you know, even the higher draft picks, but especially if it's somebody who hasn't gotten a start in four years in the league, that tells you something right there. But you're right, there is the whole familiarity thing and the fact that this guy knows the offense and has been in the same system his entire career.
1: What did you make of that move yesterday where this went nine and a half to seven? We're obviously nowhere near there anymore, but like what was that?
2: To be honest, I didn't even I I did not even I was
1: not looking at the screen, so it moved it, it moved down. Yeah, at one point, it, you could have had Chiefs 7 minus 20. And to me, that was given the motivation and the one seed and all of that. I mean, it didn't last long, obviously, so you're getting your answer, but I, I, I don't know what was behind that. I mean, it could have to do with the Buffalo situation and rumors and speculation about
2: whether that game is going to be made up or not.
1: Whereas if it's made up, then the Chiefs are lesser than if it was not. Where it's the win and you get it.
2: Yeah, but ah. at the same, I mean, at the same time, if I mean the Bills, the Bills still have to beat the Bengals, you know. so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Casey's going to be playing to win. I mean, playing full strength regardless.
1: But I so think maybe so I'm too. wrong. Yep. Yeah, I think so too, though. I think so too. I have no idea, though. I'd just be reading tea leaves.
0: All right. Why don't we move on to that Giants game, Give, giving fourteen to the uh, sorry, getting fourteen from the Eagles. Yeah, so this- assuming Hertz
2: is back. I have right. That's how decide. high are you with Hertz back? Um, with Hertz back, I'm a I make it minus nine.
1: So and this this would be
2: assuming Giants are playing their starters, which the Giants don't. I mean, that's I think what you you you, you don't see this very often where the lesser team is the team that is actually going to be you know resting players potentially the team that that is i mean the we going to be the weakest team in the playoffs
1: the worst team has less incentive yeah
2: yeah unless tennessee makes the
1: playoffs but this game overall is is weird too because this just a couple of weeks ago was seven in new york and i mean the eagles went up and down the field on them without any issues but now you have the Hurts injury, so he's probably going to be back as the one seed matters here for the Eagles. He said he would be back. Um, but there was there was a massive pivot from the Giants in dayball this week. He was smoking cigars and celebrating on Sunday, saying that, well, these guys have to play. We'll rest when the season is over. Everybody's going to go. And now today, just before we came on air, he's like, "Well, we're going to see and make a decision Friday morning and how everyone's feeling going into that. We haven't seen the market adjust anyway. Nobody's, I don't think, getting to fourteen on this if these two teams are playing it straight up. So it's like not clearly. So we're we're five six points high considering what the Giants would be going down to if they're not playing their starters. Which, I mean, seeing how bad it is beyond, <laughs> I mean, the Giants starters as is aren't great, and it's been a benefit of coaching all season that has held them over maybe this is even a touch low if that's the case and they're not playing anyone. Yeah. It's it.
2: it to be honest, like a, a five, six point difference is about what you normally get in these sort of, I would say week 17, what previously has been week 17 games uh, last week, of the season games where one team doesn't have incentive. You see this every year where, you know, there's a team that should be a, you know, would be a seven point favorite normally. And they're a one point underdog or something like that. And I, Like these are definitely the hardest ones for me to handicap. And I I tend to think the market probably overreacts, um, but I don't, I I don't know. I don't have a quantitative framework to really
1: put on it. And it's, I think a lot of people will look at Tyrod not being the worst backup ever uh, compared to Daniel Jones and probably see value in the giants, but man, it's, it's bleak past, (laughs) past that at the skill position.
2: I would also say, I would argue though, in the in these types of games, there's going to be more uncertainty. And so something like a teaser is going to have less value. Right. Um, yep. And, and something saying. like an underdog money line is going to be more valuable. So when, when yeah, if there's more uncertainty, any pl- like the plus prices, the underdog things, um, the plus money is your friend. And I don't mean a five leg teaser because each <laughs> leg of the
1: teaser, you're laying a price. So... There could All there right, could move. be a calculator to prove that right or wrong though.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'll, but, but our our ca- calculator games. does not you know just like just like for college uh, football bowl games have higher variance and so um, you know we, the, our teaser calculator is built based on like the sort of normal games not uh, not the sort of wacky special ones where everybody's resting players.
1: I like Jeff's reaction anytime that word comes up in the video. Hey, we were we were losing him for a second there, and it got him back up his crying <laughs> again.
0: I'm, I'm just like, listening. to It's fat This is fascinating stuff. I mean, we're, we're going on like an over an hour here, but you know, which is like a lot for our guests, but, uh, I, uh, I think it's fascinating to talk about this week 18 with all these different narratives and real or, or false. So let, let's finish with, let's finish well, also, with the Jeff,
2: Tampa game. Also, did what? you know that apparently according to analytics, longer podcasts tend to do better?
0: So let's finish with the Tampa game. Um, Atlanta is a four point favorite over Tampa with this is assuming again, that Tampa has got nothing to play for and probably rest some people or whatnot. Um, what say you guys in this game um, and then will Adam, we'll finish off with that. I don't know if you've heard the seven questions we ask our listeners, but we'll finish that off with those.
2: Well, Adam, I want to know how big this movement, how, how far off what this line would be if both teams were playing to win. Um, how, how far off of that we are. 11 points. Okay, so you say okay, so you say Tampa is a 7
1: point favorite. Normal. Uh okay, oh, yeah, it's at 4 right now. Okay, is when it we came four? on it was okay. a little higher. So it's at 4, so I would have Tampa at 6 on the road. So we're at 10 points to a 0. Yeah, I make it 5.4. So and, and- What's in, so Brady's going to start. I don't think he'll play significant time, But then what I thought was key here is they're not going right to Trask. Gabbard's going to play in front of him. So I think if it was going straight to Trask, then there's probably going to be value maybe in Atlanta because of how bad of a your inexperienced he is. I think you get a lot more with Gabbard. And so that makes me uncertain here. But that was just before we came on too. And so that's something to think about. I guess I haven't really put in anywhere. Why
2: would they go with Gabbard over Trask? I mean, don't you want to see what you have a little
1: bit with the guy that hasn't played? You would think, and we're seeing a lot of other like Washington's doing that with Howell um mm-hmm. in a in a meaningless game. The the Bears just announced they're going to Peterman for God knows what reason you want to see from him. But we're you seeing that kind of everywhere of else. <laughs> yes, it's ugly. Um, but yeah. That's the, white the, privilege if I've ever seen it. The the Buccaneers are. Kind of that one team this week that's that's going to the kind of the veteran in between. So I'm not sure there.
2: All right, yeah, Todd Bowles. I don't know, but that that certainly is one of the biggest
1: drop-offs from a starter to a backup. Tampa Bay, and like you mentioned, Bowles doesn't help. I just one of my biggest gripes in the NFL is like, why can't great offensive and defensive coordinators stay great offensive and defensive coordinators? Like, why did why does there have to be this head coach leap where they just struggle. I don't, I don't, I, get it. I, I think
2: that, and I think my brother actually had a really good tweet about this earlier in the year that teams largely look for the wrong thing. I think you want more. I think Mike Tomlin's a fantastic coach. I think he's a great leader and a good C, CEO type. I think that right. there's a lot of value to that. It, it's, it's not, it's not about, I, it's like the guy that is a really good coder. Isn't necessarily going to be the, the, the best at managing a team of you know, developers or something like that. Just like, I'm like, I'm not good at managing a team of data scientists. Why would, you know, so I, yeah, it's really interesting from like a people analytics perspective. And I think super inefficient. If I was a owner, I'd be looking at sort of more of a CEO type coach. I'm with you.
0: All right. Seven questions for our guests, Adam. Fire away. You ready? I'm ready. funnier, Rufus or Jeff?
1: depends on the context um jeff you're more like a dry humor so i appreciate that so i'll i'll, I'll side with jeff here just like just like uh vegas it's a dry heat right it's hot but it's <laughs> dry heat uh
0: smarter rufus or jeff
1: ah boy tough one I'll i'll go i'll split the difference here and go rufus
0: How's that splitting the difference? You just well, I gave you the first we, one. Each one. I gave we, you the we, first each one. One in one, one, Jeff.
1: Yeah, we're one and. Right. one.
0: Least, re- least relatable food that you
1: like. Least relatable food that I like. What is the context of relatable? Like how many people have ate it or how many people know about so
0: the, it? So the context of this is we were once, we were once discussing what do we eat pregame or during a game when we we're watching a game, sweating a game. And I said something about truffle potato chips, black truffle potato chips. And Rufus said something about... Um, eating canned mussels, smoked mussels, and Joey Kanish so went delicious. on Twitter and said something about how would the you two, eat that? Two, smoked two mussels are amazing.
2: Humans smoked mussels are so good. Think of like the barbecue flavor with the mussels in garlic and olive oil. Oh
1: man, it's amazing. not doing it. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm not these are uh, fresh I'm ones a, for Maine. Too. I, I'm a pretty easy going gay, guy, but I'll go um, arepa con queso, which my wife is Colombian, and so it's a, a, a corn made pan fried tortilla like thing with um Dude, that's, Colombian cheese the most relatable. Is, that, is that a venezuelan anytime
0: you say fried anytime you say fried it's got to be relatable so you it, you you like yeah you can fry anything and it becomes relatable
1: I, Well, what it's, it's tough when it's i don't think many people would relate to eating it but that's kind of where my head went
0: okay favorite gambling moment
1: there's been a lot so 2011 and this is weird because it's a college football game, which, I mean, I haven't bet college football in forever, but um, I was at my first job as a bookmaker in Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, and I was 18 and it was the national championship between Oregon and Auburn. And I had under 73, 74, 70. It was a massive, like, I I hardly had any money to begin with, but I bet more than I could have afforded to lose at the time and would have... Change things dramatically, and and that one stayed way under. But it's memorable because it was watched in the back of a card room in Port of Spain with people that have never watched a college football game in their lives, and it was just like blindly sweating it with people that could not relate to the situation whatsoever, <laughs> and and change things for many years to come for me. That's
0: great. Favorite bet you are making in the next year
2: doesn't have to be a sports bet either or actual physical bet.
1: Um, So like it can be a bet on any factor of life, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So gamble you're making. Yeah. Biggest gamble I'm making is, and I'm, I'm relating to it more from betting because betting happens lots, but um, I'm going away from speed training in golf and going just all in on 100 yards and in with the wedges. And so it's like a full-on full shift because I'm at the point now where I've been playing for 20-plus years, and I've always focused on like athleticism and hitting it far, and the scores just have never got to where I want them to be. And after just a horrible wedge yips year last year, I'm like, this is enough. And so it's just an all-in effort to change it and it's going to be miserable, but if it works, uh, I, I just think life is is a lot better when you're confident in your short game.
2: Are you, Are you? Were you using that tailor made ball that Rory was using?
1: No, they, they I've always the, been... maybe
2: that was the reason for your wedge
1: problems. No, I, it's. <laughs> I just. It, I, I played with Rob in August in Vegas, and he can attest to how bad the wedge yips were. Like I tried everything, and I just could not put the the face of a wedge on a ball, and it it damn near led me to to not playing and i just i can't live with that as something that's happening
2: well that's a big pivot though going from like basically all in bryce and stuff to like yeah that's yeah
1: massive so Become it's brendan todd it's a yeah, exactly you gotta I embrace
2: would, your inner brendan todd
1: that's it
0: worst He's loss winner. you've ever had
1: why there's too many um My head would would go to um Victor Dubaswan Swan against Jason Day in the match play a few years ago where it was it was, he had all those crazy comebacks and ended up losing
2: how what was the situation? how like? I don't I, I can't do remember the
1: odds. it was it was a big ticket outright. But remember he was playing from the bush and playing to get up and down. and there was just all these crazy comebacks. And it was one i I thought that I could have. That was bad. Falcons Super Bowl against the Pats had futures on that was really bad. Um that would have that would have been a big ticket for me to hit. Had him during the season, had him before the playoffs, and like everything fell the right way. And then obviously how that game finished out, but there was very little hedging along the way too, but that was ugly. Were you tailing, paying attention were, to the were you tailing Vegas, Dave? I was not yeah. tailing <laughs> Vegas, Dave at the time. No. And speaking of
0: Vegas, Dave, people you would follow blindly person. You'd follow blindly. Oh, uh,
1: Ed for sure. At right angle.
0: All right, there we go. well, Adam thank you for joining us it's been great having you on it's been great uh talking a little college football and I'm sorry a little pro football and uh oh do we we want to quickly talk about the national championship game might as well talk about that I mean you have your Georgia
2: hat on like literally my
0: Georgia hat on literally not figuratively not my figurative Georgia hat um I was talking to Rufus about this. I mean, I it, it does seem like doesn't twelve and a half, which is readily available, seem a little short to people.
1: You know? I can't contribute a whole lot here; not my wheelhouse of knowledge. All right, we'll we'll let
0: you go, and then Rufus and I'll have this. I'll, I'll leave off. it up
1: to you guys. So,
0: okay, Adam, thanks for joining us. Thank you thanks so much, much, guys. So that was Adam Turnoff, um, giving some knowledge on the NFL. Which I think may influence me, and I'm I may bet a little NFL this weekend for S's and G's that stands for shits and giggles. Rufus,
2: um, are you going to bet in any pregame NFL? You won't, right? I, I probably will, just because of because of this, because of the because sort of the week eighteen angles, uh. angles and the line, just just the mispricing of motivation stuff. I think the the fact that, like yeah, that. it's not like these teams are going to try harder than a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they'll you be can't like it By definition, 110%. 100%. Yeah, but you can okay, make more. So than we're gonna
0: 100%. We, we haven't been always doing the Rufus ask Rufus segment. We're gonna do it here. And we're gonna have gambling Frank Costanza who <laughs> trolls Rufus and I on Twitter. We're, we're gonna ask him I, got I a promised. Lot of grievances. I got a lot of promised, and, and and people thought it was disingenuous that I would actually answer these ask these questions to Rufus. So the first one, question one. When you first started the podcast, you did a game, Tout or Sharp. Technically, it wasn't really a game. Which does Rufus consider
2: himself now? Tout or Sharp, Rufus? I mean, I consider myself a Sharp, not a Tout.
0: What? Really? You do?
2: I do. Huh. But everybody oh. else can consider me whatever they want. They can consider okay. me both. Neither. I don't know. I... Second question. You and Rufus were on Sloan
0: panel... He cut you off talking about recency bias because market doesn't know about it. And he makes money off it. Now he is giving away things that are harder to figure out than recency bias. You say his, he says his perspective has changed. What
2: caused this change? What caused the change in perspective? I mean, markets have gotten more efficient and I, I, I don't I remember say, you uh, ever
0: cutting me off about recency I
2: bias. I, I, cause recency, like, I don't know that that was the first time I'd ever done any kind of public speaking. I was scared shitless, Jeff. I was like shaking on stage. It was, it was terrifying for me. Um, but I, I don't know back in the day, like my business partners used to be like, don't say anything about golf ever. Right. I mean, you want to, I think you want to keep, I think in general, we are all self-interested and want to keep our edges secret as much as we can. And, And I don't think recency bias was a, uh, you know, I, I, well, think, I do think that over so I will I, spe- I, you know, but I will I will speak to the fact that like I think
0: over time, and this isn't just unabated related, you have gotten a lot more open discussing everything, like your picks, anything like that. You used to be very buttoned up and not even want to really like tell people what your picks were after the fact. So I do think that change is like a macro thing in you not just like unabated. Although I do think you'd be pretty buttoned up about golf modeling still. I still am. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think people find that people
0: people find that like a teeny bit hypocritical. But in the end, as long as you admit that you have a lot of self-interest motivating what you do.
2: (laughs) I mean, everybody does.
0: I know. That's probably the reality. Okay. Question three. Rufus has pointed to doing this podcast for free as proof that he's not doing unabated for the big potential VC PE payout, but to help people, does he think the founders of Robinhood made
2: commission-free trading to help people or to grow their user base and increase value? I mean, I, I don't know that much about the Robinhood founders and story and all that, but I think that any I think any startup is trying to um, be successful and make money for sure. But I think I think the ones that do the best are ones that have a story and something they believe in besides just money. And yeah, so while I profit is a driver, I think that to say that like people are just motivated by money, I think is really, is oversimplifying. And I think, I, I think oftentimes wrong. And I mean, Jeff, I think what makes it funny to me is that, I, I mean, you know me well, and, and to anybody that knows me well, the thought that like what I'm doing is driven by money is kind of funny to them. Because, um, you know, I've, I've never, I, I've never, I'm lucky enough to be in an industry where I make make very good money, but that's not why I got into it. And I kind of like luck boxed into, into that. You know, I moved, I I took a job out of college that paid me 25,000 a year because I loved it. I always loved the number side of sports and I never knew I could make a really good living um, on it. And I happened to be able to, which was fantastic, but I still am more interested in like doing things that challenge me and, and drive me and give me purpose. And so that's, that's what motivates me more than anything else and working in, Unabated to let me work with a team of other people and kind of expand and 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 try on different hats and try to grow different skills and learn, like, for example, that I'm really not a good manager of people. And that's not something I particularly enjoy, but I'm like, I would never have known that.
0: I think you knew that before Unabated, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the question when I first read it, it kind of seemed like a dumb question, but actually what I like about it is it does highlight the idea that you know as an entrepreneur i think a lot about like mission driven entrepreneurship or like the idea that when you join a company being very driv- like you know you obviously want to make a lot of money and whatnot or build a lot of value i would say not necessarily make a lot of money like i think making a lot of money is probably the wrong way it's to an be an entrepreneur but value. you want, you want to build value you want to have impact but i do think the best startups are the ones where there is a mission that everyone can kind of rally around And Robinhood, I think, may not have been like commission free, as simple as commission free trading, but it probably was about like democratizing trading or making trading a bit more accessible to the masses, which kind of like when you think about the whole idea of like the Wall Street bets thing and what happened, um, it's it's pretty fascinating. So, um, and I
2: think, and I think, Jeff, every company has a different ethos. And, and, and for example, Unabated, we've, there are areas where we, I mean, we would we could have made a lot. We could make more money if we went a different route, for example. But we have things that we don't lines we don't want to cross, and things that we believe. And I mean, I think Jack, it's not like Jack and I suddenly believe that. You know, it's not like we were, I don't know, being disingenuous or anything with with all with our beliefs before we started unabated. And our like we we do want to help betters, and that is kind of. And we don't want to be in a situation where there's a conflict of interest or, you know, anything like that. And so I think we're, uh, you know, it's, it, it is definitely purely not about the money. We're not, I mean, there's decisions we make in terms of marketing we're like, no, we don't want to market like that. We don't want to be, we want to be, we have, I guess, a brand or a ethos or, you know, we have certain values as a company that, that we, that drive our decisions.
0: Okay. Picks of the week,
2: yes, sir. Last Is... week we were
0: two and zero, by the way.
2: We were. Yeah, my... remember I took oh... Ohio State. Although, didn't I take six and a half two weeks ago? I think I took the Georgia under, so that lost. So my pick from two weeks ago yeah. lost, I believe.
0: Your pick last week won, I think.
2: It I was. Remember. NFL, oh yeah, you, t- you
0: took the you took yeah you took the Raiders against the Niners.
2: Nice. <clears throat> Nice, nice. Um, I almost won that game outright. Can we
0: talk a little bit about the college football championship? What do you make Wait, that line in that We have to that have title? our picks,
2: though. Or, is that going to be your pick? I don't know. What do I make the line? I actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I had not actually put the game in yet. Because, I mean, one game isn't going to move things a lot at all at this point in the
1: season. Just saying. So the line's 12 and a half, huh?
0: Jeff? Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. So
0: I make
2: the number 18. 14 without a prior. It's kind of what I thought. I kind of yeah. thought the line would be too high. I mean, I mean, the, clearly I show value on Georgia.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I like Georgia. What do you make the total to be?
2: Um, are we in a, 63 is, is there, are right we in, now? Are we,
0: are we in a dome? Where's the game being played? Uh, it's been, yeah, it's SoFi.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, so we're indoors. Um, I'm riveting the total... right now. I, was... I
2: know, riveting content. Uh, 62. Oh, okay. What do you, what's the market at? 63.
0: Okay. So actually, like, <clears throat> given what we've talked about before, there actually might be some value on the over because this is one of those situations where like these, this is the David thing for last year. Yeah. I mean, you kind of saw that in the Ohio state, you know, um, Georgia game and Georgia's defense generally is, is, is definitely seems a bit overrated this year. Um, I've seen some numbers on that. So, but
2: but David, I was basically saying Georgia doesn't play anybody as good as Alabama normally. Right. And so when, right. TCU so Georgia, Georgia plays, a, TCU. you're saying Georgia plays a lot oh, of yeah. te- teams as good as TCU. Yes, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I'm
0: saying. Well, I, I I think, I think people are very fixated on that Michigan game with TCU and that Michigan game was such, it, it was such a fluky game, right? I mean, it was like, there were so many fluke plays on, on Michigan side where they left, you know, points on the table, two pick sixes and even like some of, of uh, TCU's touchdowns at the end. They like they basically threw a swing pass
2: that went the distance. <laughs> that one touchdown, right? That was a great play by by Doug. And I was like, what is Michigan's defense doing? What was Michigan's defense like, doing? They were, they were gambling. Brutal. They were gambling. I don't know if they were just gambling a ton or if someone missed an assignment there, but you don't think they need to gamble as much as they did.
0: If it, it felt like they felt they were three scores down yes. the entire game. Like they were yeah, playing chance sort of frenetic energy and um yeah i mean that's why i kind of think like georgia just comes in here and you know wins by three scores and you know like i i do think i do think there is you know backdoor potential and all that kind of stuff but like i i think i think georgia will win this game i'll I'll take georgia minus 12 and a half as my pick
2: okay what but you know i'm gonna take the same thing we're gonna we're gonna really? both, it's gonna be the first time we're on the same we, we yeah
0: Bet the process pick of the week of the century. Bet lock the process of the century. lock of the year. There we go. Um, well, we'll talk to you guys all again next week. Um, we'll have some playoffs to talk about. Um, always open to ideas on guests because I'm sure we're going to get – some scrutiny on this
1: one um, and we'll talk to you all again next week